Hello, everyone. My name is Rick, Rick Hambrugen from the F4J, and here I am recording another uh, episode in this uh, little series that we are developing. Um, and I have my uh, friend and guest and partner in crime, Stefan, on the other side of this Zoom call. Hi, Stefan. Hello, Rick. Long time no see. Uh, let, let's meet up soon. Let's meet up soon, absolutely. And um, so, yeah, we are on a little bit of a journey here. We're on a little bit of a quest. Um, we have embarked on a little bit of a project to try and um, get a better handle on and um, share our experiences on how you build um the, use, the, the value case for uh, graphs and graph databases, graph analytics um, in our organizations. Uh, we've mm. noticed that so many people struggle with that. And um, yeah, so today we're going to talk about the next part of uh, this journey. Last episode, we talked about, you know, finding the use case, right? Uh, how do you identify the best graph use case? Um, and today we're going to talk about, you know, actually building the case for that uh, use case. Right, Stefan? Yes, it's uh, one of my favorite topics. And uh, one of the uh, questions that I always uh, struggle with is, how do you actually build a case that matters, Rick? Yeah. Uh, well, what, I mean, what's your opinion? Well, I think it's 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 we've seen this so many times before, right? Um, uh, you know, graphs uh, typically have a, a high um, uh, sexiness factor, or how do you say that? Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, with, you can, you can uh, with, say that. Well, I can say that. Yeah, with uh, they're they're very sexy and they're very attractive to, I would say, more technical audiences, right? And um, so, as a consequence, you know. That does not always mean that these technical audiences are great at building the case, the value case mm. for a graph application. And in spite of what we may want and hope, uh, I think building how you build that case actually really matters. You know, you, it's not about yeah. what you think; it's about what you can get others to think and how you can convince yeah. others to actually adopt this new type of thinking, this new technology. Um, in a material way, right? So, how you build the case, in my opinion, really matters. You know, it's not just uh, it's not just about re being right. It's about other people, you know, granting you that uh, you are right. <laughs> you know oh I mean? yeah, and and I guess that's kind of a tricky thing because it reminds me of one of uh, a really good Swedish person, Hans Rosling, and I remember his uh, one time when he said, "I am right and you are wrong." Uh, usually that has I think never ever changed a person so I think it's a, a hopeless very good book yeah. uh, factfulness uh, I think that quote is like horrible a lot of his other stuff is extremely good but yeah. saying that the other person is wrong and you're right this is the the ultimate divide but maybe there is another way to kind of get people on your team and, and start exploring this together do you have any kind of tip on where to start uh, with oh, that? Totally. I mean, obviously, I, I, I use those types of, of of tools and techniques all the time. You know, I, I've yeah. been working in a sales environment for a very long time, and 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 there are very clear and 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 and, and you know proven techniques for this. Um, and and I and I and I don't mean that in a salesy way. You know, I I, yeah. I think if you're if you're genuinely and constructively trying to build a case for 
uh, a value case for for a graph application or a graph use case, you know, I think there are very very docu- well documented techniques to do that. And the first one that I think I I would mention is the uh, most important one in my book is to ask a particular type of open question, right? I mm. mean, you really don't want to be leading the client or the or your colleagues uh, uh, too much. You know, rather, you ask them open questions, you know, like, why is this important? You know, tell mm. me, let's explore this together. You know, we have this wonderful idea, we have this wonderful use case, see previous mm. episode. <laughs> So why is this wonderful? Why is this interesting, right? Mm. And then the key thing in my book is that the first answer is never the real answer. What? <laughs> right. So you and in my book, you what you need to do is really ask that question over and over again. You really need to kind of peel the onion a little bit. Yeah. Um, and in the article that we wrote about this topic, I think we we gave a little bit of an example on this, uh, right? So, yeah. so uh, you know how how you can do that and how you can actually peel the onion. For example, you know if you're asking the question, you know why is this an interesting use case, right? Yeah. And people will say, well, because it will change the way we do things, right? But and then why, the next why thing, will it change things? Yeah, exactly, right. So that's the obvious thing that you need to do. Why will it change the way we do things? Because it will enable us to follow a better process for X, Y, Z. Super, super cool, Rick. But why will it enable us to follow a better process? Yeah, well, I think you're kind of getting the drift drift here. And, and, you know, people should read the article that we wrote about it. But the whole point here is that you peel the onion, you keep on scratching, right? And you you keep on trying to understand, you know, why is this really material? And you drive for um, uh, as specific of a reason as you can possibly get. Now, there isn't a little bit of a warning that I need to give people here. Very Uh, good warning. Uh, I, I I I don't know if you if anyone listening has kids, but I have three kids, and I almost chucked them out the window multiple times when they were asking me why, why, and he. Why? I love uh, kids. They're so good at this. They're they're like the best interview experts. Uh, it, 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 but it, it's nuts. to a point. It, it drives you crazy. So uh, I, I remember doing this. Uh, it's the process is simple. It's called the five whys actually, uh, because usually it takes five whys to get to the root cause of the problem. Uh, and in my notes, uh, doing this at the university, it says, uh, "Keep asking five uh, whys." Blah 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 don't always ask why, because very often that can feel like an interrogation or very pushy. So sometimes you need to linger to make it an actual conversation uh, because other... Because if not, the person can feel threatened, uh, I guess. Yeah, and I, I think this is very natural also. And if you're a little bit practiced in, in, in this type of a te- conversational technique, it's it's not very difficult, but um, you you need to be a little bit careful with it. You know, like you said, you don't want this to be a police interrogation. You want it to be a friendly, joint quest for a better graph value use case. Uh, yeah. graph value case sorry uh, I think that's the objective and as long as you keep that in mind then the why 
uh, question shouldn't be too annoying. Now, there's another well, question that I think is very, very interesting as well. It's also a, an open-ended one. Um, uh, it's, it's a little bit like the frog and the uh, the princess, basically, or the frog and the prince, right? Yes. Uh, the <laughs> classical. I, yeah. So the, the second question I, that I usually ask uh, is, you know, how are you doing today? You know, you you've got this subs- suspicion of this graph use case, right? You identified that and you have a little bit of an idea of what it might do. Uh, and then the question is, well, how are you doing that today? Yeah. Right? And and very often people will say, well, we don't really do that today. Okay, so why are you not doing that today? <laughs> and and what does that what effect does that have yeah. uh, on yourself? You know, who's impacted by this by this uh uh, type of uh, uh, activity and so you, that's how you kind of explore this right so mm. um, you ask these open questions why are you doing this how are you doing this today who is impacted by this way of working you know and who is impacted by the impact of this way of working you know <laughs> you know what I mean you can you can you, you can you can do this time and time again until you get to something specific right and I think mm. this is key yeah, uh, how does specific looks like? Because I think this is uh, one of the things that uh, can be very, very troublesome and very often. Yeah, to well, say that they're fluffy, that's just an understatement. Sometimes people just make weird noises when I push them on these things. Uh, any tips on this to double down on it? Yeah, well, I, I think, you know, it is really important to make it specific. You know, I think uh, any time that I've seen uh, people building value cases for graphs and they are not able to make it specific yeah. then you know everyone will love it everyone gets so excited about it but when you get to the boardroom and ask for budget they will just yeah. shoot it down you know it's pretty yeah. simple right yeah. so being specific i think is very important now what people often get wrong is that they think that specific you know means mm. money mm. and i don't think that's the case you really, it's not necessarily about money, right? Uh, people obviously would love to save money or make more money, you know, in any, any organization, you know, they, they you know, value, value is often quantified as money, right? Um, but I don't think that's necessary. You know, there's mm-hmm. other numbers that can allow people to get a much better view of what this graph value case will actually bring to them. And it could be, for example, a reduction of call call volume in the call center, Ah, right? Or or a customer satisfaction index or a net promoter score or whatever it is that you're looking for, right? Or a a reduced false positive rate in a fraud use case. You you see what I'm saying, right? Exactly, exactly. Any number will do. Yeah. And I think um, those numbers are also very more closely related to the organization, and they also are working very often on those uh, in that sense. And yeah, the thing that, the thing is that you know, if you have a number, whatever that number is, at the boardroom, they will understand. Yeah, they will understand what that number means, and they will you know make the. Uh, uh, a translation themselves into yeah. you know what that may, means in terms of money. They will understand that. And by the way, not every business decision is based on monetary effects. 
it's no. not, right? No, no, it's uh, so many others. And I think this, this is uh, a very good reminder because I think uh, I see a lot of people, they go only for money, money in that sense, but uh, sometimes time, enjoyment, and there's other things that actually produce this value. And uh, as you say, uh, the board will pick up this immediately. Uh, I cannot stress this enough. I don't know how many times when we have done uh, Innovation Lab Sprints, for example, we come to the first question and then uh, the CFO goes, stop, bring out uh, the calculator on his phone, start to run numbers and say, so we can save actually this amount of time by implementing this solution, then meaning that we can already pay for a license on the yep. first query. And it's like, problem is already solved. But instead of talking about how much money they will save, actually, what are the problem we solve? What's the benefit for, for the people, the organization? And yeah. Well, I mean, the other thing, and, and I'll, I'll, you will have to stop me in about one minute here. Yes. Uh, because, and? <laughs> because I'm going to kind of uh, make the link to something that we both care passionately about, which is prospect theory. Uh, uh, and and we're, 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 we can talk about this for hours. But I, I, I do think that this is part of the reason why making a specific quantitative case for graphs is so important, not just because you want to build a case and you want to present that case and all those wonderful things, but it reduces uncertainty. Yes. It reduces the perspective the perspective on uncertainty, which is what we want. You know, if people want to are going to adopt graphs, they're going to be faced with this all human uh, uh, limitation on decision making, <laughs> which is prospect theory, and if we if we, if we make it quantitative, it's just going to make a world of a difference uh, in that decision making process. So, I will end my rant over there. <laughs> Let's end the rant over there, and I think anyone is uh, that is interested in prospect theory go check out Kahneman uh, behavioral economics and a lot of these things uh, there's so many good examples uh, let's write some up for for the audience as well but uh, double down on that I think there's so much learning and most likely all of what we're doing is completely wrong it feels right but it is wrong uh, and I think that's the best cliffhanger for the next one because I think we are ready to go to the boardroom for the next episode almost. Yeah, exactly. So let's uh, let's wrap up this episode. Um, great talking to you, Stefan. And uh, what we're going to do in the next episode, I think, is we're going to talk about how this newly built case that we've just uh, talked about is going to get presented to the boardroom, right? So um, that's, what, that's where we're taking this. Uh, thank you, Stefan. And uh, talk to you soon. Have a great day. Bye. Bye.